God of life, we know you are present here among us, so we ask that you move, blowing your spirit to enter us, to fill us, to open us, and to receive your word. This we pray through our Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. Now from the beginning of his public ministry, Jesus' public ministry, well after the Virgin Mary was discovered to be with child and Joseph, her betrothed, was assured in dreams that this was God's doing, well after the child's birth and visit from gift-giving astrologers who'd observed his star rising in the heavens, announcing his birth as king of the Jews, well after the then-ruling king, Herod, heard the terrifying news and launched his bloody shock and awe campaign. Well after the growing up years of Mary's child, stories of which locals must have held in scandalous silence, as a town does when one of their own doesn't quite fit in. But not too long after that child, Jesus, now a 30 or so year old man, had wended his way down to be baptized in the Jordan River where the boho John with dagger-like eyes was doing his baptizing. And to all who dared approach, John shouted in a voice thunderous as a bowling alley strike, Repent! The kingdom of heaven has come near! Jesus dared. And as he was coming up out of the water, he experienced heavenly affirmation of the authority he had as beloved Son of God. Yet in that identity, he humbled himself to follow God's Spirit's lead, not into ivory towers of privilege, ease, and power, but into the desolate wilderness to be tempted and to emerge ready to enter the worldly tangle of hungering people in search of relief from crippling burdens that left them reaching out for just a little comfort while going through the motions of living empowered with the word of God that not only affirmed his sonship, but commanded how he should now live in obedience to the Father, Jesus was conditioned and steeled for the work that lay ahead of him. Sometime after that, John was arrested, which Jesus took as his cue. He left his hometown and took up residence by the sea. There he picked up John's prophetic mantle, took up the lyrics of John's shanty, repent, the kingdom of heaven has come near. He recruited a few charter members for his newly formed band, and he went on tour, a show-and-tell tour, to reveal what such a preposterous proclamation meant first for the people of Israel, and second, for all the peoples of the earth, 
He moved among the masses and within small gatherings, teaching and healing, casting out demons, feeding, and, and inviting others to, to join the band, to get in line and learn from him the steps of God's kingdom and its workings in the world. His business card, Jesus, line dance caller. I like it. So steeped in God's word of affirmation and command, everything Jesus said and did was nothing less than the authorized demonstration of God's kingdom laying claim to, to all the earth as God's own homestead, laying claim to all the people in it as God's own beloved. Who, to, who were to be forged by repentance for the good work of obeying God's commands that, that produces good fruit to be enjoyed and shared by all. But the Jesus tour was more than simply posters and placards and crowds and declarations. It was a, a living model of what a faithful response to the news of God's coming near was to look like not just accepting God's affirmation that, that we are God's beloved, but, but obeying God's commands as well. Not just basking in the glory of sonship, but then taking up the responsibility of living in obedience to the Father's will. This is where the rubber meets the road. On, on the one hand, the glory of knowing that you are God's beloved child with whom God is delighted. And on the other hand, humbling oneself to then not live to do your own thing, but rather to submit to the will of the Father. This is, to use a Hebrew idiom, pokaver hakaleb, where the dog is buried, the very heart of the matter. That's one you may want to keep, where the dog is buried. I love it. To accept God's affirmation as beloved child and, and then out of that identity to live aligning to the Father's will. And that right there, that right there, is where heaven and earth meet. For it is the glorious affirmation of God's approval and, and bestowal of authority upon humanity and the humble response of humanity learning and so reordering life to align to God's will that produces a bounty of harvest for all to enjoy. Here was Jesus, founder, lead singer, and choreographer who, who could have lived high on the hog, but I suppose being Jewish, maybe not so much, off the residuals of the tour. Everyone was talking. Everyone was clamoring to get a look, to, to reach out and touch. To, to, the draw was just incredible, and I can only imagine the schlock to be produced with his image and words printed on it. Think of it. From every item sold, more coins for his coffers. Should have copyrighted, baby. 
He could have taken the show to only exclusive venues, jam-packed stadia filled to the gills with the paparazzi and the beautiful people who could afford the price of a mission, Taylor Swift price, Josh, relegating the regular schmoes to listen in with a glass to the door and only imagine what life on the inside must be like, what it would be like to be part of that in crowd. But Jesus did not copyright. He did not live in luxury. He did not discriminate on venue. All locations were chosen to be included in the tour as he roamed countryside and seaside, through grain field, garden, and cemetery, along highways and byways, into hamlets, cities, homes of people well-heeled, homes of people barely eking out a living, synagogues, the temple, even Pilate's Roman palace in Jerusalem. The earth is the Lord's. So there is no distinction of venue except that of every venue being claimed as God's homestead. And Jesus was not a discriminator of persons. He lived out God's commands as he taught them in word and deed through his engagement with, with all people, whatever their baggage, their history, their social status, or line of work. He took the tour to dairy farmers and vine dressers, to vintners, ranchers, carpenters, stoneworkers, fisherfolk, tailors, weavers, shopkeepers, money changers, homemakers, and those out of work on disability. He engaged with children and beggars and people in their right minds and those out of their minds, with tax collectors and other persons of ill repute, with priests and lawyers and folks of power in the controlling religious and political systems. All who dwell on the earth are the Lord's. So there is no distinction of persons except that of every person being claimed as God's beloved and empowered as such to then live humbly aligning to God's will. Jesus, a living PSA, a public service announcement broadcasting to all the good news that no matter who or where you are, God's kingdom had come near in him, Jesus, to them. Jesus to her invited all to draw near to him, to experience through him affirmation of being God's beloved child and out of that identity to then get in step with him and live to reorder life aligning to God's will. And his announcement was received in at least three ways with skepticism as bad news or as good news. Such is the reception of God meeting earth and its people with the rightful claim that both heaven and earth are God's homestead and that all people are affirmed as rightful heirs to be working partners in it. Skepticism, bad news, good news. And skepticism, I suppose, is, is a pretty easy-to-understand response. I mean, anyone can make any claim they want. doesn't mean it's true. doesn't mean I have to believe it. So, the kingdom of heaven's come near. Again, eh? 
Just another quack, another nut job out of step with reality. Well, well, buddy, show me the money. I don't see nothing changing. I mean, oppressive powers still have the upper hand. Sure, there have been a few healings, but that's happened before. Some of this stuff can't be readily explained, but give us time and we'll figure it out. Now, I don't, I don't know how you pulled off feeding 4,000, 5,000 plus people with a few loaves and fish, but I'm supposing smoke and mirrors... Anyway, everybody had to scrounge again for their own food the next day. What's he saying and what he's doing? It's been done before. I don't see any lasting change. Better to ignore the fuss made over this guy and not get fooled by another snake charmer. Be content with my lot in life. At least it's verifiable. And live it out the best way I'm able. Kingdom of heavens come near, eh? Right. And I think bad news is also pretty easy to understand. I mean, after all, who is this guy? We've heard the stories. His pedigree is questionable. Sounds like a birth story masking scandal. His education's all wrong. There's no one here to verify his authority. And just listen to that backwoods accent. Come on, buddy, show me the credentials. He certainly didn't attend any accredited academy that would train him to make such claims about God's kingdom. Who does he think he is? And does he know who he's messing with? He obviously doesn't know the power we wield, we who sit in seats of authority to make judgments about people, places, happenings, right, wrong, and theological claims about heaven, earth, and God's doings. He's crossed the line. He's invaded our turf. And... And he's working up the people to usurp our authority. And they're taken to him like flies to honey. If he keeps this up, we'll have some splaining to do to the higher-ups, may even lose our position over the people. Hmm. Trying to take away our power and make us fall in line with you? Who do you think you are, buddy? You keep it up, we'll show you power, and we'll use it to shut you up. Just watch us and watch out. Bad news. Finally, good news. I think the most difficult to understand. Because it doesn't always come with change in circumstance or some sort of measurable verification. Not all are healed. Not all have enough to eat. Not all find a warm reception by friends and family when they say they're now followers of Jesus and are learning from him the dance steps of living and working in God's kingdom. But when Jesus' announcement is welcomed as good news, it is received gratefully with hope. What? This guy's giving us tickets to the show? He's welcoming us? He's listening to and speaking with us. He's eating and drinking and walking and dancing around with us. He's, he's touching and blessing and healing and teaching and, and feeding us. He's not just saying the kingdom of heaven has come near. No, he's, he's showing what that means, what it's like. And, and we see that it's come near to us as well. Dismissed by others to the outside. He's now welcoming us to his side. 
having been born to beg for crumbs from tables dotted with meat and potatoes. He, he's now inviting us to eat from his table, covered with a feast, bread and wine, plenty for all. Having cast our lot with brigands and miscreants who prowl through the night and skulk about in back alleys looking for trouble, he's now calling us to bask in his light and learn his way that opens our fists and empties our pockets only to find we have, we have even more to share with others. Now some may say everything looks the same, nothing has changed, but we say wherever he is, nothing's the same. Everything's a shimmer with heavenly glory. And we want to be wherever he is, shimmering with that glory wherever we go. So teach us, Jesus. Teach us the steps and workings of this, this kingdom. And, and Lord, have patience with us. And give us patience with you and ourselves as we learn to put them into practice. This was the Jesus tour. And these were the receptions. And today... We find the tour in the halls of the temple in Jerusalem. And we hear Jesus tell another one of his parables to the religious leaders and teachers of the people who, who wield their credentials and power before Jesus as authoritative skeptics who are not welcoming his claims as good news. They have questions about his authority to even be running this traveling show-and-tell tour he's been running as the supposed revelation of his preposterous claim, repent, the kingdom of heaven has come near. This is the second of three parables Jesus gives religious leaders in the temple about the kingdom of heaven come to earth and their outright rejection of it. The parable speaks to the authority Jesus has been given to announce and to model in the way he has been doing the look of God's kingdom meeting earth. For when God's kingdom meets earth, it comes with a claim that not just a little corner about the size of New Jersey, but all the earth is God's homestead. And it comes claiming that not only a select few are God's people, but that all peoples are to be forged by repentance for the good work of obeying God's commands by which an abundance of good fruit is produced to be enjoyed and shared with all. Even God's covenant partnership affirming Israel's unique relationship to the Father is, is never been meant to place Israel in a superior position lording over all others, but to forge a humble people who live to align their life to the Father's will, which is ever working to gather all people unto himself. Obedience to the Father's will will result in fruit production that reaches all peoples throughout the world so they too might know God's good blessing. Now the first parable you heard last week about a father and his two sons, and I think if I remember their names were Tyler and Kyle, those two sons. 
A parable that was telling those authorities that because they would not change their minds and repent, they are like the son who says all the right words, but doesn't follow through on obeying the father's commands. They hear the father's affirmation that they are beloved children, but out of that identity, they then refuse to live aligning to the father's will. Because they would not change their mind. All the earth is the Lord's and all people God's beloved and, and respond with a reordering of their steps to align with God's will. They will find themselves at the end of the line behind all the folk they judged to be unworthy of entry into God's kingdom. God's beloved are to be forged by repentance for the good work of obeying God's command which results in a production of good fruit to be enjoyed by all. Like the elder son, the religious leaders were not ready to accept their need to repent. Today's parable, similar in some ways, is about a landowner, a vineyard, and tenants. The landowner readies a tract of land for a great production of grapes. He plants the vineyard, he fences it in to mark it as his own and protect it from wild beasts. He digs out a wine press in the midst of it because, I mean, what good are grapes without being pressed into wine, right? And in it, he builds a watchtower so his workers might keep diligent to protect the vineyard from enemies who would want to destroy it or usurp it as their own. The landowner then leases his vineyard to tenants, empowering them to farm it so it produces a good harvest of fruit and wine, and he leaves the work in their hands. At harvest time, the landowner sends servants to the tenants to collect the produce, but the tenants have no produce to speak of. Instead, they seize the servants and abuse them violently, even to the point of murder. Now, we don't know their intent in acting so, but the landowner then sends another contingent of servants, larger than the first, with the same purpose of collecting his produce. And the tenants treat them in the same manner. Again, intent is unknown. Finally, the landowner sends his own son to the tenants, presuming the son's authority as rightful representative of the owner and heir of all his holdings would, would garner the respect of those tenants. Now, the intent of the tenants becomes clear as they conspire together to kill the son in order to seize his inheritance as their own. So they seize him, throw him out into the vineyard, and kill him. Can it be so? Will the tenant's desire to own it all now prevail? Jesus poses the question to his listeners, to those temple leaders, the ones in positions to teach and discipline God's people in the ways of God's kingdom that is intended for all people. He asks, when the owner of the vineyard comes, what will he do to those tenants? 
And their response, much like that of David's when confronted by the prophet with his egregious sin, is immediate and forceful. He'll put those wretches to a miserable death and lease the vineyard to other tenants who will give him the produce at harvest time. Unlike David, however, once the leaders who are to be models of the kingdom way in God's world, once they realize that he was likening them to the tenants who were not just lax in their work, but violent abusers of fellow servants of the landowner, violators of the covenant they were in with the landowner, once they realize he's talking about them, Unlike David, they do not repent. In fact, they harden their hearts. Jesus comes with the affirmation and authority of God's beloved Son, announcing in song and lyric and graceful dance steps, the Father's kingdom has come near to all places, unto all people inviting them to get in line and learn from him the steps of God's kingdoms and its workings. To God's kingdom, come in Jesus. The religious leaders have no response except a hot desire that he be arrested, shut up, and the show shut down. Jesus comes with the affirmation and authority of God's beloved Son, but he comes not to flaunt it in anyone's face, not even the religious leaders, because out of that identity he lived only to be aligned to the Father's will. And the will of the Father is where heaven and earth meet, and an abundance of fruit is produced in this Jesus. The glorious affirmation of God's approval and bestowal of authority upon humanity is given to Jesus, and the response of Jesus to this heavenly affirmation is to humble himself and to follow God's Spirit's lead. Not up into the ivory towers of privilege and ease and power, but up a hill of shame, bearing a cross into the panning reviews of taunts and spit and fists and curses being hurled at him. The show was not well received by the leaders and powers. And on that cross, he makes his bed, he lays down his life, and he dies. However, the affirmation and authority given him as God's beloved son does not die there with him. With his humble response of obedience, not grasping for worldly glory, he is the rightful heir of the kingdom. As such, he moves in step with God's will and does not cling to life on his own terms, but lays himself down so that God's glory might shine forth into the, into the darkest corners of all the earth. He lays down his life for the sake of the worldly tangle of hungering people, searching for relief from the crippling burdens that weighed them down and sapped the life right out of us. But the show must go on, for God, the vineyard owner and landlord of all the earth, 
will not be denied his homestead or his people. Therefore, as we heard last week as well, God highly exalted this Jesus. And you know how the tour continued on. God vindicated his claims of the kingdom, having come near by by raising him from the dead. God validated his sonship by, by ascending him to the rightful place in the seat of authority over all God's creation. And you know the good gift that he gave the gift of God's Spirit to his followers so that together we might accept our position in line with him and shoulder to shoulder with one another, with all God's people from from the beginning of history together through Jesus, God's beloved. And out of that identity, united as sisters and brothers to one another who are learning from him God's kingdom steps and work in the world so that all, so that all, so that all people might not only hear that they too are God's beloved, but may experience that good news in their own bodies and spirits and minds. For in him, friends, we are empowered to model the way of life as beloved children of God. In him, we too are to humbly respond to God's Spirit's leading us in the way of life in God's kingdom that has come to earth to to claim it all as God's homestead. Not so we might rule supremely over others, but so that we might live out of the authority and affirmation of God having claimed our dance instructor as beloved son. And in his authority, We carry the Jesus tour into the nooks and the crannies of all the worlds in which we find ourselves living in step with him, Jesus, following his lead, feeding, encouraging, touching, blessing, teaching, healing, forgiving, welcoming, welcoming, welcoming all unto himself, welcoming you to get in line, and together to learn from him the steps of God's kingdom and its workings in the world. May we be such a people through whom abundant fruit is produced in line with Jesus so that others may meet him through us, and know that they too are God's beloved. Amen.